Hello and welcome to the All Blacks edition, episode 13, um, the Sevens Rugby World Cup. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, your best place for rugby opinion and predictions. And yes, um, you might notice that my predictions are a bit late for the Super Rugby semi-finals. Um, I will put those out later. Um, but let's be honest, it's hard to look past the home sides, isn't it? So anyway, um, that video will be coming out later on YouTube, uh, actually on all, all the channels as usual. Um, so do um, so do look out for that. Uh, and uh, yeah, tonight it's going to be all about All Blacks, though, rather than Super Rugby. And joining me is none other than uh, Arsrin. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Always a rush on a um, on a Wednesday. Get, get got, we've got uh, rugby training, and then you get home, get the kids fed and into bed, and then let's get ready for the show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. had my cake and ice cream. So I'm ready to go. Cake and ice cream. Ooh, <laughs> lucky boy. Chocolate um, cake and on chocolate chip. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, uh, yeah, uh, to be fair, I've been down the crowded house uh, in uh, in New Plymouth, had a couple of beers, also popped upstairs to do a bit of work. Uh, we have an office there. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then back home for the show. So, um, yes. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the All Black Station. Um, and we have some notes somewhere, I think. But um, first up, yeah, I was saying, the Rugby Sevens. Um, we, we, we were having a chat last night about the old... Um, uh, on the old hash rugby chat, and you started to go along about something about all these wonderful sevens players who've done great. But first off, yeah, give us your view of the weekend and uh, and how the uh, the black ferns or the, the the women and the men's went. Well, obviously, a uh, sort of um, um, two diverse um, sort of uh, efforts, I think you can put it. But end result was the same. Um, you look at the black ferns to start with. Um, obviously, their final was on Saturday. No, actually on Sunday, sorry. Um, and just totally dominant, really. Um, they're, they're, a, they're a step ahead of everybody else at this point in time. Um, I, I, they're playing at a different level. Um, they're, they're, I, I think, I mean, this is going to sound really stupid. I'm sorry, but it really is clear that what, what they're trying to do to me, from, from what I can see, is that they're trying to maintain ball position. Now, obviously, that is what every team tries to do, but what they sort of appear to do is trying to um, not necessarily go into contact. And uh, it was almost going back to the old days of sevens where you used to throw it round, even possibly going backwards, to avoid contact, to ensure that you get in a good... When you do go into contact, you're in a good position with plenty of support around you to make sure you get the ball back. When you look at that game against France, and I, they don't really show the position stats like they do in 15s, but... You'd love to see the position stats because it didn't feel like France actually had the ball at any stage. They did, but it didn't feel like it. The, the Black Ferns were just so dominant in maintaining position, looking after position, protecting the position until the opportunities opened up um, to, to to make the break to score the try. So, yeah, they're just totally dominant at the moment. Yeah, and they and that's once they they whilst they lost they, whilst they didn't win the sorry lost the first two um, tournaments of the of the HPC seven series and uh, whilst they didn't win them you know really kind of lose them any one team wins not everyone else loses um, they won the they they won the Commonwealth Games and they won the last three stops so as you say yep. they ended on uh, the um, on the whole thing uh, they, they ended on a on a on a, the season on a high and have carried that through to the um, to the Rugby World Cup so yeah no they they did fantastic the men. And this one you talk about, we, we did talk about last night, but yeah, well, that's, uh, we have a new, we have new listeners on tonight, so people who didn't see last night, so we'll cover some, some of it the same, but not the entirely the same. But, uh, the men, very different. They won the second round of the HSBC Sevens World Series, but really, uh, kind of didn't win any others. I think they made like one other final or so, uh, or something, um, and it came sort of, they're in, they're in the top five, but they were definitely a step below, uh, the, the, the Blitz Blocks and the, um, What's the other one? Oh, the Fiji, um, Fijians. So, yeah, so you've got to say that was, um, yeah, that they were a bit definitely. That was a surprise. They, they were, that was a surprise, wasn't it? When we saw the heart, we saw the semi, well, I saw the semi finals and went, it's a, it's a Springbok Fiji final. Um, and, uh, yeah, congratulations to England. If you can't tell by my accent, yes, I'm English. Um, <laughs> so, yes, great. We made it there. I'm, I was, I was shocked. Um, but the, uh, yeah, and I was also surprised that the, that the, uh, the, the Fijians did as well. Yeah, look. Uh, in terms of the the, the sevens, it was um, the, sorry the men's side of it with, with the All Black sevens. It was yeah, total shock, absolute total shock. Basically, you could say through the World Series that the All Blacks were a solid third. 
<laughs> if they in fact finished it. I mean, like, they they were they were they were able to hold their own against everybody except the Fijians and the uh, Blitzbok. Um, they, they occasionally sort of um, got a win over them, but not 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 often. Um, and they didn't look like it either. And so, really, the uh, World Cup um, win has really been quite a surprise. Um, basically, yeah, just an absolute surprise. As you said, when you looked at those semi-finals, Fiji or um, All Black Sevens, um, and the England um, Blitzbok, it's like, um, well, yeah, I think everybody had it chalked up, like uh, basically South Africa Fiji final, and both. It was interesting that both semi-finals actually got tipped on their heads. That was yes, and. Uh... You, you've got a little message, and I, I know that you, when, when we're watching this, you have the YouTube up, but we are live on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, and also on Facebook. And uh, um, a certain Sandip is, uh, is, is watching us on, uh, on on Facebook, and there's uh, and there's, and there's, uh, just, just I thought I'd pass on his message of uh, <laughs> tidy up your your house, Uncle. He says, uh, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> just finish you finish your train set <laughs> yeah. but we no. digress nobody will know what we're talking about so we'll no, move on no, they won't. even i don't know what you're talking about there and that's, that's kind of, we're going to end up going to some sort of family feud um and yeah we haven't got the short the short funny guy here to 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 um to host that so um and for those of you who are not in new zealand family feud is a is a tv show um hence where we went there with that one um but anyway i've got no idea oh, Chris. I do digress, <laughs> just slightly. Um, see, Sandip, that's what you do to us. Like, we should actually get you on the show. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, they, they both came with the titles. Fantastic. The first time ever um, for a team to win back-to-back titles, and both teams did it, so that was very good as well. Uh, and um, as you say, we were expecting the, late, the women to go well. We weren't expecting the men to go quite so well. Um, oh, with- when we had our chat last week, it was just like, yeah, basically the Black Friends are a lay-down Nazir, and... Um, yeah, basically fingers crossed, and the men might make it to the final, but that that was about it. <laughs> um, and hey, look, just um uh on 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 the on the whole scenario, basically. So I'm just going through this. So it's like one, two, three. Yeah, four World Cup trophies, I believe we have. Just saying. <laughs> the um really just the four. Just the four. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just, just the four uh, at the uh, moment. At World the moment, Cup, fifteens World Cup, women's fifteens World Cup, women's sevens World Cup, men's sevens World Cup. I don't believe there's any other rugby World Cups available at the moment to grab. Under twenties. We don't mention ones that we don't have. <laughs> Do not get that memo. Do not get that memo. It's slow. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, Adam, we, we'll we'll get on to your talk on to your question about what do we think about the uh, success of the tournament being in the US. But before we get on there, um, any sort of players you want to call out um, from? Let's start with the women first. Yeah, look, I mean, oh, I suppose Michaela Blyde, basically, you know, a hat trick in the final. Um, Portia Woodman, just that. She, I mean, it didn't didn't. She, I think she she did get a try in the final, but. Um, you know, not not the um, number that we expect, but just creating so much, so creative. Uh, Sarah Goss sort of like dominating sort of that tackle ball area in particular. Uh, Tyler Nathan Wong, who went to my old school, just throw that in there. Um, <laughs> went to school with my nephew. Um, <laughs> close, close friend of the family. Actually, actually, I'll tell you, about yeah, sort of. Uh, but anyway, another story. Um, but mean, we, yeah, no, we, the, we've, we've got stories tonight. If you want, if you want to go, if, if, if it's uh, if it's a good story. Interesting enough, I, I, not not for me personally. Um, they have no connection whatsoever. But um, on my auntie's side, um, they, they know the family really well and uh, have re- so Facebook conversations, so to speak, regularly with um, Tyler Nathan Wong's parents and the like. That's my cousin. So uh, yeah, I was, it's like oh hey, and then my nephew went to was in the same year at Linfield College with her as well. That's well, my hey, connection. Hey, if you can get, if you can get, get, get her onto the All Blacks edition, it'd be fantastic. We can have her on for a <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, look, um, I think across the board, um, you've really got some good stars in that Black Fern side, and that's why they're so dominant. 
Um, as a, we're going right back, they are a step above the uh, competition at the moment. Do, you know, if, if they have an off day, they can get beaten. Any team on their off day can get beaten, but as long as they turn up, nobody's going to touch them at the moment, and the other team's going to have to step up basically to um, compete with them. Okay. I think the um, basically, I think it's off the back of the of the Olympics. Um, that was something that they don't obviously they don't want to repeat. It didn't feel good for them, and they want they want to put things right. And we've seen that also with um, three of the three three of the seven stars saying that they're not going to play 15s and they're concentrating on Tokyo. Now Tokyo is still two years away, uh, and they're turning down 15s games now uh, to prepare for that. Which I know we, we which when we discussed last night, you're saying that women don't have enough, uh, the women don't have the same volume of rugby as the men. Um, so probably that uh, you, you you don't you don't agree with that um, policy that you don't think it's needed. There is different conditioning required for sevens versus fifteens. Um, I think it's probably less so on the the women's, the women's side. It's less as it's uh, less professional at the fifteens currently. Uh, as that professionalism increases, which it is doing currently, that 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 difference, as it has done in the men's over the last sort of uh, yeah. five to ten years, it will do in the ladies, but it's not there yet. Yeah, I, I think the the only thing is that obviously, and and you're right. I mean, you know, the, the, both sides have actually got valid arguments to it because you know the other side of it is that you know, we're really trying to promote women's sport, and um, the the reality is that you know, as someone who's watched a lot of rugby over the years, you know, you, you, when they were promoting women's rugby, and it's just like it's just at a different level. It's 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 you know, it didn't have it wasn't dynamic. It was slow. It, it's it's up there. It's up there now. It's it's you know the quality of it is good and um, you can sit down and it's not like oh you know it's it's too slow. It's the ball's too slow or whatever. It's actually quite quick, especially at that high internet at that international level. So the reality. So what you've got is that hey we can push and create that um, uh, support and, and grow that support and uh, and you, and as sort of if you want to do that you got to have your stars playing. You got to have them. Um, on uh, uh, on screen more often, and, and I suppose that's the other side of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, one of the things we've talked about in this show over the past few weeks is how the Black Ferns have got the, their their best ever um, schedule of Test matches this season with uh, with two um, against the uh, French uh, against the against the against the Aussies, uh, yeah. then the Game over in the USA against uh, against the USA. Funnily enough, yep. um, followed by a couple of games in France um, as well. So they've got a good tour um, there. So Royal Rugby, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, basically we've been talking about the the Sevens Rugby World Cup so far. Um, we talked about the lady, the women, uh, and I think it's time for you to sort of uh, chat about some of the men that have, that have stepped up and managed to get the, get that as well. Well, I think you know with the men's side of things, you've just got that experience. I think was the big big factor for the. Um, all Black Sevens team, in the terms of the Scott Currys, your, your Mickelsons, um, really sort of providing uh, the experience, and that's what we've seen so much when it comes to the business end of any tournament, whether you know we talk about so, Super Rugby, World Cups, or, or a Sevens World Cup, as experience matters. Um, and then you throw in the uh, the dyna, 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 dynamic type um, Joe Revalvo, and um, geez, you know, Give him, give him a little bit of an outside break look, and um, he made the best of it. You know, create not necessarily always scored, but got the team going forward. The defence is out of alignment, and it then opens it up for somebody else to go over, sort of thing. So, yeah, look, again, it's it's great. Uh, I, I suppose that the only thing that's sort of, you know, you'd, what you'd like to see is the, you'd like to see some of the the. Um, uh, creative players that come through 15s not just being yoinked from sevens. So we're referring to there like a Villamoni Karoy who basically sort of says, hey, I don't want to go to World, World Cup sevens sort of tournament. But um, and look, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because the, the boys did the job that were there. Yep, no, they did. Um, and uh, yeah, congratulations to both sides. And uh, that's I mean, something we had a chat about yesterday. We have people on, on the show who have who didn't watch last night. So let's, let's go over it again. Um, so, what did you think about the success of the tournament being in the US? Well, it is is you know, and obviously you'll cross your arms and allude to it after I've finished um, the admin side. But in terms of a spectacle, fantastic, you know, um, you know, 
playing on a baseball field or you you sit, you sit there scratching your head going how's that going to work but no look um it was great the stands were full you got to have full stands because it makes a much better tv spectacle strangely enough with the atmosphere created um the the quality of the games was good whether it was the um the 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 well, for want of a better term the minions sort of like um the the minnows not the minions the min- minnows <laughs> Minions are little yellow things, but Minnows um, are sort of uh, uh, playing the games. Even the quality in that game, I mean, one game I saw was, I think it was China versus um, uh, South Africa, and it was like, oh, it was a really good game. The, again, the quality of the game between the two teams, at you know, with very equal sort of ability, was a great game to watch. So watching all the games were actually very good. It wasn't a yawn. You weren't sitting there going, okay, when's this over? They were good to watch. And as I said, the crowd really got into it. And, um, you know, from four years ago, when they had 25 people in the stand, <laughs> um, it was fantastic to see a full crowd. It's great to see the interest at that level in the U.S. as well, for rugby as well. Yeah, the U.S. So, successful, uh, so successful tournament, from my mind, in terms of what we saw on the field and in the stands. Yeah, and um, I, I, uh, for, for those of you that uh, that. that and use the channel. Um, I watch, and, I, and I'm uh, aware of uh, USA rugby. Um, I, it's an area that I, that I, that I, sh- that I have an interest in, um, and I did uh, a whole bunch of shows about Major League Rugby. So, um, so yeah, I have some, and, and a lot of the kind of the guys that uh, that do the shows with me on uh, on the USA side, uh, and a lot of the American podcasts, rugby podcasts I listen to, they were all uh, they all got behind the tournament uh, and the ticket sales. Uh, and were very uh, very vocal on Twitter to make sure those sales went well, and that was that, that was the whole community got behind it um, and made it a success, which is great. Um, so yes, it was a good tournament. Now, uh, as Arsene alluded to, uh, whilst it, it, it did go ahead well, uh, there were some issues that, uh, that that could have derailed this tournament, uh, and basically that comes from the fact that this was marketed by the uh, um, by Rim. Um, or what is uh, or rugby international marketing, uh, which managed to get itself uh, in the hole uh, financially big time um, by setting up the rugby uh, the rugby channel and losing I think it was something like five million or three or five million US dollars um, through doing that and eventually having to sell out to Flow Rugby uh, and basically now Flow Rugby has the rights to all the American uh, international games um, just as kind of F, just a side note but with Rim. Basically, running the um, the rugby, um, the Sevens Rugby World Cup, and running into financial difficulties, there was a, it did there was the potential um, for this tournament to uh, basically uh, end up getting having to be cancelled because of uh, liquidation um, of rim of of, um, of rim. Now, the ticket sales went well, um, and so it wasn't a problem in the end. Uh, but World Rugby did have to step in at some point, um, and on the quiet. Um, my understanding is that they at least underwrote the tournament um, if they didn't actually provide any actual extra finances for it um, to make sure that it went ahead. There was no way rugby, World Rugby was going to let one of its Rugby World Cups not happen because of this sort of thing. But to have put itself in that situation um, and, and gone to a country where the administration is that poor that they that they put themselves in that situation, then, that's, um, then, then to me it shouldn't have gone through the States because it was too risky um, around that. Now, I say the actual event was great, but the I say the administration behind it was poor. Thankfully, the people behind the administration um, have all been ousted out of the out of USA Rugby, and we have a, a, a much brighter future ahead of us. Um, but just to give you some ideas to some of the potential conflicts of interest, the guy that owns um, Giants uh, Stadium, which is where the uh, where, where the, the baseball stadium where this was held. Uh, was also happened to be one of the people on the USA Rugby board. Now, he says he removed himself from all Sevens Rugby World Cup um, meetings and wasn't involved. But you've got to say that that, um, uh, that, that conflict of interest, uh, definitely there is definitely an image of conflict of interest there, um, at the very least, that it was in his stadium um, and that his stadium got paid to host this event. Uh, isn't that kind of nice and convenient? Um, for the guy who is putting in the bid in the first place, or at least part of the team. So you've got to say that um, for, from from an administration point of view, uh, there were there were definitely best practice was not followed 
Um, but the end result, thankfully, um, was good. And you could compare it to say something like, I guess, the Athens Olympics, where the Athens Olympics actually went ahead really well. But I mean, most of those most of those venues were derelict and not used ever again. And it was an absolute disaster uh, administration wise. But hey, as an event, it was great. Uh, and, I, and to a certain degree, you could say something, you know, perhaps no, not, not, not as harsh. Um, but uh, thankfully, I'd say the people who were behind, who were, who were running USA Rugby are now out. Um, and we got, uh, uh, say, we've got a much brighter future coming in. Yeah, but but Germany got a oh, sorry, Germany Greece got a great party and then got Germany to bail them out. So hey, woo! Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear me! So yeah, it's a great a great event. Um, and uh, but I don't think it has bears any relevance to the USA's ability to run a 15s rugby World Cup. Now what it shows us is there is the interest there, which is great. Um, but as I say, the entire administration, the entire um, event management piece uh, will be brand new for that event thankfully um, because yeah there was some there, there was definitely some things lacking uh, behind the scenes on this one even though at the end of the day um, it all came off well but it, it, I think you just alluded to something there I think you know maybe in a couple of World Cups time it'd be great to see something like um, the World Cup 15s World Cup on the western seaboard uh, uh, you know run, run through there uh, I think if, if obviously it'll come down to venues and having because that one thing we talked about last night, I, I believe that the NFL stadiums that they're actually the fields are too narrow really to have uh, you know for rugby field as a rugby field. Um, but if we can overcome that, it'd be great. I, th- I think you'd want to keep it on one coast so then you could actually travel between the um, uh, stadiums relatively easily rather than having to fly from one coast to the other. Uh, interesting thought, or maybe you have, uh, or maybe each um, pool, you have one pool on the west coast, one pool on the east coast, one pool in sort of the midwest or the mi- in, in the middle kind of thing, and do it that way rather than necessary. Because um, one of the things about Major League Rugby is that now we, uh, if we look at the, the the teams that are joining next year, they're in New York, um, and uh, uh, well, one is in New York, one's in basically just outside Vancouver. Um, you've got one uh, Washington DC is, is joining the year after, so. Uh, and there's also rumours of Atlanta joining. So there's definitely places on the East Coast that are looking to, to join it, even though currently rugby is more of a West Coast uh, event professionally. Uh, and, um, there are a couple of very old and established rugby clubs in New York. Um, but uh, the, the rest, the, look at um, the current major rugby, it's, it is mainly sort of California, Texas, uh, and then up in Seattle as well, and so in Denver. So it is more on the left-hand side rather than the right. Um, but yeah, Um <laughs> rather, than east, rather than using east and west um, but uh, you talk about the, um, um, the American football pitches being too narrow and we saw that in Major League Rugby we, so we saw uh, one of the teams hadn't got their uh, their, their, their stadium uh, built in time they had some issues around planning permission etc so um, I don't think it's sort of happening next year but this year you saw them playing on um, you could see the American football pitch um, and then you could see the extra turf they'd added to the side um, of the pitch with the, with the markings on, um, and uh, I think at least one try, the you got the player sort of running along there, realizing he's on the bad turf, moves over a little bit to get back on the the the, the sort of the permanent turf, um, to get better <laughs> grip. Um, so, um, but these are all teething problems that you get in in when you're taking a, a sports and new areas into new pitches, um, and that 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 stuff get ironed out. So, but um, but yeah, you're right. The, we we saw there that the, yeah, that uh, American football pitches aren't wide enough. Um, for modern day rugby union, and that's how Ireland was able to beat All Blacks in Chicago. <laughs> oh, dear <laughs> me. oh dear! Hey, we should we should move on. We should move on because otherwise we're going to have to start driving more the US edition. Um, good, <laughs> <laughs> just that comment out in there. I agree. The fifteenth World. Um, World Cup uh, could easily happen in, um, and we have plenty of stadiums. So Adam's clearly from the States. Um, the only bad thing is um, sketchy administration. Uh, you can tell this uh, is the failure of the pro and uh, success in Major League Rugby. Uh, it's a big mixed bag. Yeah, and pro rugby was also a part of the old administration, um, was, was how that got in there in the first place. Uh, and pro rugby has taken the old, taken um, USA rugby to court um, about how that administration treated them. So, yes, it's. Um, uh, yeah, the, I agree. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, this isn't the USA Rugby Show, but yeah, there is. I say for those of you that aren't aware, there that um, 
USA Rugby is coming out of a bad, a bad, a bad time uh, administration-wise, uh, and uh, knowing some of the people who are applying um, and campaigning to be on the next board, uh, it's looking much better um, going forwards. Just, just before we leave it, though, I mean, it, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, if we wanted to have the World Cup in the US, I'm sure that World Rugby could say, okay, we're going to run that tournament. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll use the assistance of uh, the locals, but we'll run the tournament just so that they can actually get a new, you know, as opposed to going to the circle of UK, France, uh, you know, and back around to UK, France, maybe Australia, New Zealand. You know, we've got a new one with Japan coming on board for next year, which is great. But, you know, we, we, what, I think it'll create much more interest and it's different vibe, different Marbo type effect with having it go to somewhere, you know, different countries, different parts of the world. Yeah, so, yes, yeah, so we've obviously got, so we've got Tokyo next. We've got um, France um, the year after. You've got Ireland and South Africa who are very upset that, it, that they lost to France, um, obviously. Uh, but mm. you've also got Argentina um, have been talking about bidding for a couple of World Cups now. So I think they're, they're getting themselves definitely ready for it. Uh, the USA are talking about it as well um, now, but with a new administration in, you ought to say, hey, they want to get that sorted first. Um, the, um, Adam, we don't have to forgive you for being American. It's okay. We, you, you, we, we allow Americans on the show as well. Um, the... Um, so there, there are a number of potential places that uh, that will want to uh, host next time after France, and say, and, and, and new places as well. I expect South Africa to come back in. Um, I expect Ireland to have another go. I expect Argentina to have another to to, to, to step up, um, and I think the USA is starting to gear itself up for a bid um, as well. So there are um, uh, yeah, so there, there, there are quite a few places that uh, that will be looking to bid bid for it. And it's not the USA that's not only the USA that can be um, a joint. Uh, sorry, that, that can be a new, a new, a new location. Ireland's have it, Ireland's only held sort of the odd game um, as part of a UK one, and um, the um, yeah, and uh, the and, and Argentina hasn't hosted either. So there's, 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 I think there are plenty of places that haven't hosted that, that are looking to, to host um, as well. Christopher Edwards Bailey uh, would the would have uh, a joint bid with the USA and Canada. Um, well, if we think USA has got issues on the administration side, um, the Canadian ones are just as bad, if not worse. Um, and so um, Canada's not in a uh, kind of stable place that you'd be wanting to, to put this um, either. So, yeah, no, I don't think Canada would do it. I don't think USA would be looking to do a joint bid with Canada, um, to be honest. So moving on then. Um, so I think that's the Rugby World Cup 7 sort of wrapped up. Any sort of final points? No, I mean it's just interesting. I suppose the format there we can say the format. Actually, yes, go on the format. Go on. Yeah, just quickly on the format. I think the format just made added to the excitement of it. Basically, simple as that. It did, but um, having heard uh, from um, a friend of a friend uh, who, uh, um, so one one of the Hong Kong players uh, mentioned to one of his friends, and they kindly came and uh, commented on on um, yesterday's YouTube show. Um, that basically the Hong Kong players, because they got knocked out in the first round, they didn't get to tr didn't actually get to play against a tier one or the, a top eight team, and they were very disappointed about that, about not having the. Uh, whereas in the round robin format, they would get to play two games um, against a top eight team, so they were a bit um, they were a bit disappointed by the fact that they didn't get to play a top team uh, and test themselves. So uh, I, it's uh, that, that was an interesting perspective from the players' point of view. Rather than from the just the spectators one, which obviously where 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 we, where we come from with most of this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, True. so um, please, folks, if you enjoy this kind of show uh, and all other shows, and you can support us by just telling your friends and letting them know about it. Um, obviously, as I say, it's available on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and also as a podcast as well. The podcast isn't live; the podcast is, is recording, but the other three are live and then available as recordings afterwards. So please tell your friends, share, like. Thumbs up, all of that kind of wonderful stuff is also much appreciated. Now, um, when a, an All Black selector comes out and talks about something, you, you generally take note, don't you? Because they, they don't, they, they, they kind of normally like to keep, keep really their, their counsel. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That is just like, you know, trying to get a meaningful comment out of an All Blacks coach is like pulling teeth from a hen, isn't it? Sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, sort of like, yes, that, that's the first point, I suppose, is the fact that I, I like the fact that, you know, they don't have to come out and totally bag a player or anything like that, but just, just 
throw the throw the fans a bone every now and then would be nice. <laughs> so, if you're kind of wondering what we're talking about, Grant Fox has um, has come out, um, who is one of the All Black selectors, and made a few comments um, about um, about Dame McKenzie, and uh, somewhere uh, basically it um, it says cut out cut out passes aren't helpful. So. Uh, if there are any cutout passes by the All Blacks in the Rugby Championship, um, please do send your letters to Mr. Grant Fox saying, "Hey, he's got his coaching wrong," and uh, to cut those, to stop those cutout passes straight away. Um, he said, "Well, actually, no." To be fair, he says that there is time and place for them, but there've been too many interception passes this season, um, including in a test or two, um, and that uh, Mackenzie perhaps needs to make better choices at times. Um, do you think he's? Do you think Grant Fox is right, or do you think? Uh, that this is this is what you get with if you if you want the razzle dazzle you've got to take the uh, the little bit of the, the the odd mistake as well with it. Well, I've I've um I've sort of described Damien McKenzie um, on our previous shows as a modern day David Campisi, but a better defender. Um, and and if you're going to go down that path of uh, being a David Campisi but a better defender, is the fact is that what you got with David Campisi was basically what we get with Damien McKenzie, you know. An absolute flash of brilliance by an absolute moment of oh no, <laughs> but you know, look, I, I suppose in favour of Dave McKenzie is the fact is that those oh no moments are usually just pretty. I wouldn't say they're common in the game. Um, obviously, he he threw um, he threw the pass to the bus in the first few minutes in the first minute uh, on um, Friday night. Um, but let's remember the second. But a pass to the bus when it broke down was thrown by Brad Weber, not by Damien McKenzie. Yeah, it's always Damien McKenzie. Um, and and he, he does go on to say that um, you have to be careful with guys like Damien because if you dial him back, you're not going to get the full benefit out of him at all. There's there is a balance, and this is his problem, isn't it? Um, if he's is that oh, look, it's, he's, it's, he's contradicting you know, himself in the next sentence, really. Look, and it, it, you know, to be honest, it doesn't matter what level of rugby you're talking about, whether it's my kids that I go and coach or the All Blacks, is the fact is the moment you try to tell them to stop trying to do something, it will actually impact the rest of their game because they won't know what to do. When, they they play on instinct. When, they, when you do some magical little move or something, it's done on instinct. And the only way to... Stop them doing uh, uh, um, that cutout pass to the bus type scenario. Is that they stop playing on instinct and they go to the playbook and they only do what's in the playbook. Then you have the problem of they're not playing what's in front of them. And you know, at the end of the day, what? And you know, obviously, I'm new to coaching and the like, and um, been going through some of the whether it's whether it's a good thing or bad thing, but Auckland Auckland rugby's coaching sessions. <laughs> but um, and what the, what they're saying these days is the fact is that what we need to do is make to coach the players that are coming through to play what's in front of them, to see what's in front of them, and play that rather than just basically going through what's in the playbook constantly. Because the fact is that if there's a, a two man overlap, um. Is, is you know, and or you need to understand how you make use of that. And this, if the playbook says kick the ball, well, you don't kick the ball if you've got a two-man overlap. So you got to teach them to take the initiative on the field and see what's in front of them and play that. And they say, if you stop them doing that and they start playing by the playbook, that's not going to work because then, as you got a two-man overlap and they kick it down the throat of the fullback that's waiting for a kick. Yeah, no, and the um. And Grant Fox says, he does just to finish on what he's saying first. Um, he does say um, there's there's no danger in Mackenzie's misstep costing him his place uh, in the squad for the upcoming rugby championship. So so he's not saying that at all. But um, but yeah, they clearly are looking at um, his his decision making and think that they, that 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 needs some work. Let's, it took him about half a season um, to get used to playing at uh, at flat half, um, mm. really, rather than back at fifteen. Uh, and uh, some of the comments, some of the talk we've had about, um, uh, we've talked uh, that I've talked in previous shows about um, Jordan Barrett, Jordy, Jordan Barrett, um, Jordy Barrett, even yeah, another Barrett. Um, it's another Barrett <laughs> that we don't know about. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's what I came across the other weekend when watching some club rugby down here in Taranaki. But anyway, um, the um, but so uh, yeah, so so t- people have been asking hey, what I think about Jordy Barrett at thirteen. I think that uh, at the moment. The, the jury's still out and basically 
he has got a uh, he needs half a season in the centres um, to get used to it and to to appreciate the lack of space. Um, in the same way that Damien McKenzie it took him about half a season at ten to to get used to the, the, the difference in in, in space. Um, and uh, uh, Adam Scott said, yeah, I think the passes are just part of McKenzie's playing style. Um, sometimes it's brilliant, sometimes not. And yeah, it's about you got giving people. I mean, my favourite coach, um, and it was actually in hockey rather than rugby, but. He just told us, you know, a lot of the time he was telling us, basically was just trying to build up our confidence and just tell us that, yeah, he believed we could do things. And so you actually go for it. Um, and now we'll see that. And, uh, and that's, and, and yes. that's, that, that, that's, um, that, that, that was my favorite coach. Um, and I think that that's, that's what we've got here. Now, I think that this dialing back has happened with um, Bowden Barrett. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, he's nowhere near as exciting as he was two seasons ago. Um, and, uh, I think there might be an element of the the, the, the coach has sat him down and gone through his decision making and pointed out the errors he's made and have actually dialed him back a little bit too far and now he's not going for those gaps. He's not trying things as much and we've got a much quieter um, Bowden Barrett uh, than we had um, two seasons ago. Absolutely. And it comes back to what we were just saying about it. You take the you take that um, ability to use for them to use their own initiative and you end up with, well, I don't know if it's the right term or right words, but a stale player um, that just basically doing the right the right thing. Um, so yeah, it's it, you know you go back to that coach that you're just referring to, telling you just just get, have it a go, have a go, give it a go, because the fact is that the more you give it a go, the more likelihood, the more chances are of the outcome getting correct or being correct. Um, you know, and coming back to like. Damien McKenzie's um, uh, the intercept pass to Julian Severe um, in the first minute. For my mind, it wasn't the wrong decision. It was the execution of his pass which was the problem. Because if that ball went over the top of Julian, or if he had seen him coming, and it goes to the outside player, the Chiefs go and score because there was no defence left. Yeah, but I, does he... I, I, you, you, you do throw those. You are you, you are putting the ball in the air for quite a long time, and you are risking that mm-hmm. intercept. Um, whereas, yep. uh, so is it that, or do you shout quick hands um, and trust your other players to to have quick hands and, and, and shift the ball quickly that way? Yeah, true, uh, true. So, but yeah. the reality is that that pass just needed a bit more air, height over the top. That that was probably just it was just slightly slightly flat. Yep. Um. Mm. The, uh, but that's that might be an element of, of, of how far he was trying to throw it. Um, that was a, it was a it was a big missed pass. I mean, he missed out at least two players. Um, he missed out two players. Yep. So it wasn't just it wasn't just one skip pass. It was yeah. Um, where yeah, quick hands. I, I think probably possibly could have done the same, achieved the same thing with, to to a little less risk. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, and Christopher Edwards puts in a good point. What's happened to his cross kicks? And this is crossfield quicks. And this is obviously a reference to Bowden Barrett rather than Damian McKenzie, because a couple of seasons ago, uh, it's, we would be at least a, a try a game from the Hurricanes mm. from a crossfield kick. And we're now seeing maybe one crossfield kick a game, if that. Um, it really has gone out, out of the repertoire. Well, I, I, you know, it, it's, I suppose it could be the nuances that we don't quite pick up, because maybe what, what um, these days professional teams do is watch videos and videos and videos of their opposition in the week leading up, or their coaching staff do anyway. So what we might not be able to see and pick up in the TV in particular um, is the fact that, that there's a wide man out there. And obviously if there's a wide man that the defence has left out there, you're not going to do a uh, crossfield kick. So that could be one of the reasons why we're not seeing it. But obviously, there's the other reason is that he's he's gone into a shell a bit. Yeah, I think I, I think there are, there are a couple of I don't think it's down to one thing, um, but I think yeah, part of it is definitely that teams have had a lot more game tape to figure out how to counter it, um, mm. and, and so so defenses have changed um, to 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 counter it, which is part of it. Um, but I also think there is an element of that uh, that that Bernard Barrett has been taken into his shell, and his game management. Uh, has definitely improved, um, but are we trying to produce another Dan Carter, or are we trying to have a different style ten nowadays? Uh, and I think they're, they're, uh, to me, they're taking him too. Uh, to me, they're taking him a little bit too far to the Dan Carter piece and taking away some of what he is himself. Uh, um, but um, but his game management is definitely 
miles ahead of where it used to be a couple, about maybe three seasons ago. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a bit of a shame if they have gone down trying to turn him into a Dan Carter because the fact is he's not. Um, and he's got some skills that Dan Carter never had. Um, so it'd be a shame if, if, you know, because they want him to run that sort of more Dan Carter mould that all those tricks that he had in his bag, he's had to basically go put away in the cupboard and lock them up. The old um, Carlos Spencer versus uh, Mertz, Mertz uh, argument. Maybe, <laughs> elements of, um, but, with, but within a single player as to what style he plays. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dearie me. Um, I think one of the things about Damien is he does try a lot more things and they do come off, um, but they also don't don't either. Um, Barca Pandit, bring back Cruden at 10. Um, the my outside is no. Um, and, uh, but yes, some of those reasons um, I can't say on, on, uh, on video because um, they're rumoured and unsubstantiated and uh, I'd hate to get caught, li- be called libelous, libelous for them. But there we cool, go. you can tell me after the show. Awesome. um so yes um so yeah so so yeah so yeah i think grant fox needs to be careful with damien mckenzie um because i don't yeah i don't want to see uh, that bread out of him i I think they have and those comments suddenly made me think about how we've seen uh bowden barrett's style of play change over the last couple of years and i get and a bit and and i'm a bit concerned they've gone too far with him and this is opinion, which is all it's about. And, and, and I think, look, let's let's roll, 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 yep. roll, roll the tape back all the way back to the beginning um, with, with something you said. It's the first year back for Damien McKenzie back at first five. He's played a lot of rugby at 15. Um, I actually thought that in the last couple of games, in particular for the Chiefs at 15, we started to see elements of his play which sort of say, hey, look, he's now starting to actually become a first five as opposed to uh, a fullback that's um, trying to play first five. So I, I think he's actually um, getting there, and um, I think next year we'll probably see a slightly more consistent and uh, you know, more consistent Damien McKenzie. Yep. So another piece that um, I picked up in uh, the papers was this comment of um, Geordie Barrett. Um, is he playing play, and, and playing too much rugby, uh, too much super rugby? Um what do you think about this one then? Um, Jordy Barrett will well, play the 10th Kiwi Derby in the semi-final um, and it's too much. Agree well, or disagree? Playing any... Hang on. Let's back the truck up here. We have to do this every show. Let's back the truck up here. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Uh, is he playing any more rugby than um, anybody else? Is, is there a Jordy Barrett draw that we're not aware of or something that means that he plays more games than... Um, someone else. I mean, like, let's let's. I mean, not that Eric Kiriuani's in the All Blacks, but he played every single game for the Blues. Um, now, obviously, they're not going to have another extra two or three games to play, but you know, at the end of the day, no, Geordie Barrett's not playing too much rugby. The um, so yeah, so um, one of the um, <laughs> and uh, Christopher Edwards come gone and said no way. Um, so yeah, one of the commentaries that um, that he's, he's he's playing ten um, Kiwi derbies. Um, and one of the, the, the sort of the comments um, that you get um, about the Kiwi Derbies is that they're just a, step, a slight step down from um, test matches. And so how much rugby do they play? Now, let's just have a quick, uh, a, a, just a little bit of sums here. So Super Rugby is 16 games um, plus maybe three uh, in the playoffs if you do. So a maximum of 19 games. Um, and then the All Blacks play about 14 Super Rugby, uh, sorry, fourteen Test matches a year. So you got three um, during the during the uh, the inbound tests. You got six during the Rugby Championship, taking us up to nine. Um, and then you have the three during. And then you have the extra Bledisloe Cup game, ten. The DHL um, Cup game. The three, uh, your, your, your three November tests, um, and in this year they're, they're they're also sneaking in the test against Japan. Previously, the test against um, the states. So they play between about thirteen and fourteen um, uh, test matches um, a year. So um, the players will have so that's, that's basically thirty to thirty-three games a year because this was they don't play Meistersen Cup and they don't play club rugby. So and they won't play all of the All Blacks games either. So the the number that you know the thirty odd games is absolute maximum, which they are the likelihood of them playing is not likely. So yes, well, the, okay. so when we say sixteen regular seasons games, 
the all black players have to be rested for two of those. So they actually only play 14. Mm-hmm. So 14, yep. um, and then you only play three, three playoff games if you play for the Crusaders. Um, otherwise, you don't have to. <laughs> um, so, Why do you have to go there? <laughs> so it's 14 plus 14 test matches, 28 plus um, a maximum of three playoff games. So you're playing somewhere between 20, the all black players, between 28 um, and 31. If you're unlucky enough to be, to not have been an all black, so you don't get the two. Um, the two rest games, but suddenly become a first choice All Black and play all the All Blacks tests. You could, in theory, play 33 games. Extremely unlikely. You're going to play somewhere around, around about that 30 level. Now, let's compare that to Europe, where these players would go to earn more money. And that's what's one of the part, one of the points here that it makes is um, if they don't feel they're being looked after enough by the New Zealand, um, then perhaps I'll go and get more more rugby, more more money elsewhere. Right. Okay. So let's have a look at uh, the Aviva Premiership. 22 teams. Uh, sorry, not 22 teams, 12 teams instead of uh, in, in the Viva Premiership. So that's 22 regular season games. They play home and away. You add in a minimum of six European games as well. So you're already up to 28 games before you even talk about any kind of uh, um, internationals or playoffs. So you're going to play at least the same number of games as you do in the Southern Hemisphere. And then you can have up to three rounds of European playoffs and two rounds of your Premiership playoffs. So another five rounds um, of games there. So you're going to play, and um, in France, you have two more. It's Super 14 rather than Super, rather than, um, rather than 14 teams, rather than 12 teams that the European Premiership have. So, and they have three rounds of playoffs rather than two. So in France, you're playing um, another um, four, potentially five more games on top of that. So, yeah, you're not going to be playing any less rugby um, if you go north. And if you're a Northern Hemisphere international player, you've got that that volume of rugby plus your 10 to 12 internationals on top of that as well. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't. I think this idea that they're playing too much down here uh, is incorrect. I think they're playing about the right, around, right amount personally. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was it. So, yeah, we've got no, that was rubbish. Um about that there has been an awful lot of talk out of New Zealand recently um, about these New Zealand derbies being too hard and causing too many injuries um, but these are the games that actually the fans like to watch the most um, so I think they'll be shooting themselves in the foot if they change Super Rugby they change, change the Super Rugby format um, so they don't have those um, I think I'll go to Atlas Concrete and get a couple of cement pills for them to take <laughs> tell them to harden up um, so a quick question here. Um, do we know if Lima Sopwaya, um can play for Wasps um, straight away or does he have to wait until after the Rugby Championship? Um, that will depend on his contract and whether he has to play the Mighty 10 Cup season. Um, I would have thought that he would be allowed to skip that personally. Um, I'm not sure that uh, he'll be forced to play for Southland for uh, for this season. Um so I'd expect him to go straight up to, to Wasps. I can't expect him. I, but uh, players have been forced or have been made to... to or ha- have Players have had different contracts before. Some of the contracts run to the end of the Mighty 10 Cup um, and some of the contracts run till the end of Super Rugby, um, depending on who they are. Um, so it depends what his contract is. Uh, to be honest, Barca, I don't know what, what, which one it is and whether he'll be forced to play Mighty 10 Cup or not. Um, but play, uh, even if they are... Contracts to Mighty Ten Cup and can't start for Wasps. So I, mean, I remember um, Fekitoa, for example, in his final season here, whilst he was around the Blues and, and we would see him in the members uh, bar um, pre and post game, um, he uh, would play play only about two games for Auckland that season. So he won't play even if Sopawanga is uh, contractually obliged to stay in the Mighty Ten Cup. I can't see him playing that many games um, for Whichever it is, Southland, isn't it? That he plays for, from memory. Yep. Yep. Southland. Um. So yep. So yeah, Christopher um, uh, said last year Owen Farrell and Maritoji played forty and forty-four games in a calendar year. Um. Yes, and that did. That was with the Lions tour, which always uh, gives you more games. Um. And if you are a New Zealand, uh, an All Blacks caps player going to play in Europe. You get to skip. You don't. You, you're not going to get picked for the twelve um, English international games 
um, that you that you would have to play. So you get to skip those. Um, there is a chance you would get picked for some of the Anglo-Welsh Cup games, but it's pretty slim if you're a top. You're generally allowed to rest. You generally get rested for those. They're more um, for the uh, academy players or players coming back from injury. So, yes, um, as an uh, English player, um, you do play more than those 30 games that I was talking about. That's because you've got the 10 uh, 10 to 12 international games on top of your club games um, that we listed. Um, cool. Um, what should the Blues do to fix themselves? They have great players, but consistently play poor. Adam, from Adam. Yeah, Adam, um, <laughs> Arshwin and I um, have, um, uh, have, have, have talked on that topic before. Um, and taken a good 20 minutes <laughs> to go through. 20 that. minutes. We could keep going. As I said in the response to Adam, it's just like we need a week. We need a show that lasts a week to answer what problem, what's wrong with the Blues. So, um, so yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm with any, with the, with the show coming towards to an end, um, um, Adam, wait, wait for another show when we've, when we've got plenty of time yeah. for us to rant about that one. Um, we're not, yeah, not that, that that's not, not one. I've already passed my bedtime too. <laughs> Um, so um, yeah a bit of a quiet weekend of quite week on the All Blacks front outside the sevens really um, so there's not been more news to talk about obviously all the news is around those the quarterfinals and the semifinals so looking forward to the Super Rugby um, this weekend um, and uh, Arshwin why don't you let people know where they can chat with you over the weekend about the old rugby yeah look uh, basically through Twitter I'm on um, NZ Fat Show somewhere there there you can find it I believe and um, I'll see you there cool I'm Paul the guy behind Driving Mall at Driving Mall on Twitter obviously it's a great place to chat or just chat down below always up for good old rugby chat please um, do support us by telling all your friends share like and all that kind of stuff um, and also if you'd like to support us financially become a Patreon of Driving Mall um, you can do that from as little as a dollar a month um, the link is down below in YouTube. You can see it in the title in uh, on Twitter. Um, so yes, please do uh, consider becoming a Patreon and helping us. Uh, it pays for things like this microphone, and I can do some better lighting. It's all a bit dodgy. You can see those shadows behind me. You see. Um, and I need I, a flash microphone like Paul. And Arshwin needs a flash microphone like me as well. So and hey, actually, I'm, I'm going to need a computer soon as well. <laughs> 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 um, so cool thank you very much guys and uh, catch you all uh, tomorrow night um, I have Shane back and we'll be previewing um, the uh, the semi-finals at 8pm um, we'll go through all of the uh, uh, what do you call it uh, the squads and all that kind of stuff um, and then this weekend um, post-match reaction to the Crusaders versus the Hurricanes I think I'll be able to be doing that one uh, the Lions versus the um, Tars I'll be watching on replay on Sunday morning because, hey, it's a bit too late for me. So thank you very much and uh, good night. Kakite.